You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Just call me the slow Chris so we don't get our Chris's crossed tonight. Okay, slow Chris and David Hall. You can call me the slow David for sure. Especially this week. Tony Groves. <laughs> yep, I'm here remotely this week, but I'm here. All right, and special guest Chris Overland. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. All right, welcome, Chris Overland. Thanks for coming on. We've been trying to get you on for a while. Uh, we're happy to have you this week, especially. Uh, your driver for the Wood Brothers Racing and Ride Spin in the NASCAR iRacing uh, Drivers World Championship, the Coca-Cola Series. But let's uh, let's talk about that later. Let's go back in time. And uh, when did you first hear the word iRacing, and then what did you do about it? Um, well, so I've been a fan of racing games, NASCAR games in particular, since I had a brain that was functioning. So uh, it's been it's been quite a while. Uh, I think the first time I heard about iRacing was I was looking for new racing games to play. I had just gotten a computer, and uh, I stumbled on a YouTube video. Uh, I think it was John Adams, actually, that put up a YouTube video. And uh, it's funny how that works out. We're now teammates, and we work together on certain things. Um, but I, I saw this uh, this really cool game, this really great edit, some good music, and I was like, wow, I don't know what this is, but I want to be a part of it. Um, I believe I was, I think I was 12 at the time, so I had to wait a couple months because you had to be 13 to have the service. And then I borrowed $5 from my dad. We had, they had a new membership uh, promotion going on. And uh, the the rest is history, as they say. I, I got hooked on it immediately. I thought that the, uh, the way that you progress through the rankings was extremely challenging, which was exciting to me because I was so used to just plug-and-play arcade-style games and... Uh, getting frustrated to the point where you didn't really even want to play anymore was actually kind of it, it was it was a big challenge for me, and I, I embraced the challenge and just tried to get better every week. And here we are. All right, yeah, you're definitely a veteran. Looking at your profile, uh, nine years it says. Uh, looks like you quickly jumped about five thousand I rating and kind of been in that range ever since. Uh, a little above that overall winning percentage, eight point eight percent on oval. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to win more races. I, I take more pride in my uh, my top five percentage, honestly, uh, just because, it, it, like like you said, I mean, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but with a 5,000 I rating, you are racing the best of the best. And um, I do actually want to take this moment to, to notice the, uh, the lower part of my graph. When I first started, I think the lowest my I rating ever got was 512. So... For those of you listening to the podcast, if you have a you know a thousand I rating, two thousand I rating, it's never it's never too late. <laughs> I honestly thought about getting rid of my subscription just because I couldn't figure it out, and I'm really glad that I didn't. So you were in the bottom split at one point. How about oh, that? Oh, the lowest of the low. It was it was treacherous. All right. So we know you're running the Coke series. Uh, what else are you running? Are you running like leagues or hosted or any other kind of series? Um, I don't really run leagues. Uh, I, I mean, I do run hosted sessions a lot of the time. Uh, as far as leagues are concerned, I, I just 
I don't really have the time working full time. And, and honestly, the, the Coke series with all the testing you have to do for that, it's another full time job just about. But I do like running some of the open official series. Um, C fixed is really fun for, you know, if I don't want to work on a setup for the truck getting into a C fixed race or a B fixed race even, and just trying to outdrive people. I mean, that gives me the challenge that I want and, and, you know, the competition that, uh, that keeps me going. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, obviously, uh, class a open, you know, getting, doing practice races, so to speak. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, I'd like to run more of those. Uh, my racecraft with this new package isn't where I want it to be. And uh, at the at the upper echelon where you're racing 40 people for $300,000 in prize money, it, it's really something I've got to work on, especially with this package that keeps everybody kind of closely together, at least for the first few laps. Uh, but yeah, the A Open races really helped. They really, really helped us at Auto Club, and we got a good finish out of that. Uh, I'm going to probably have to do some at Bristol because I am struggling hard, and that's the next track we go to. So, so on those bigger tracks... Uh... Did the old NASCAR package suit you better uh, as NASCAR changed to this high downforce, uh, low low horsepower package last year? Did that help or hinder you? Um, going to this new high downforce package, I definitely think, I, I won't say it hurt me, um, but I will say that it kind of rubber banded everybody. You know, the people who are good are still good, but the people who maybe struggled in the past, you, you know, they're still going to struggle with the same things, but with the high downforce, you know, it kind of minimizes the effects of a mistake. Um, but with that being said, with this new tire model that we had come out, it kind of brought that skill gap back open. So, you know, not only is everybody together at the start of the race, you'd still have to take care of your tires. Otherwise you're going to get eaten up later in the run. So, um, I would say last year, it probably hurt me a little bit more than it helped. Uh, but this year, I do feel a little bit more confident and a little bit more uh, comfortable with making moves and coming through the field. Um, and I just feel a general, you know, more sense of uh, comfort with this package and this tire. Okay, let's switch gears. Let's talk hardware, software. Uh, what are you running uh, as far as pedals and wheel, uh, VR, monitors, and then any third-party software? Um I, I keep it kind of simple, honestly. Um, I, I've done a lot of upgrading recently just because of, you know, all the attention that's coming to the series. I want to be at the top of my game. Um, I'm running three 27-inch Dell monitors right now, uh, triple monitor setup. But as far as the wheel's concerned right now, I just have a standard G27 wheel. I did just upgrade and get some uh, Club Sport V3 pedals, um, and they have been... A pain to get used to but i know they're gonna get make me better in the long run especially at these shorter tracks that we're coming up on um as far as software is concerned i don't run any third-party software no third-party spotter app no third-party dashboard um just vanilla iRacing and then i you know i have my spotter Corey carpenter um he runs uh certain programs i you'd have to talk to him about that but for fuel mileage and things like that i don't know him off the top of my head uh, but it, i like to keep it as simple as i possibly can but it, it is getting harder to uh to compete at a high level with just a single monitor a standard set of pedals and just vanilla stuff so um I do kind of like the simplicity of it, though. Okay, very good. 
Uh, you mentioned Corey is your spotter. Uh, who else helps you uh, in the, on the back end with the setup, uh, crew chief, that kind of thing? Well, as far as the setup's concerned, we've got too many guys to mention. Um, as far as the people that I work with for uh, getting the cars fast every week, that's going to be Team Slip Angle. And we're all kind of um, spread out among different teams. We've got a lot of us in the Coke Series. We've got a lot of us uh, racing in Road to Pro, trying to get to the Pro Series. Um, some of the biggest guys that I'll name is Santiago Tires, Eric J. Smith, Real Fala, Jake Nichols. Uh, just off the top of my head, those guys really help. Um, we also work with uh, eSports Racing Group. That's uh, Chris Roberts and Dustin Hall. Uh, a few more guys that probably don't have enough time to mention. But they have uh, started working up with us this year, and we have seen results pretty quick. I've already got my first top five of the year. Um, so, I, I mean, big thanks to those guys. It takes so much work. Uh, we've already done five, six hundred laps at Bristol, and uh, I think we ran upwards of uh, fifteen hundred at Auto Club preparing for that race. So, I uh, couldn't do it without them for sure. Yeah, yeah, a good team there to be associated with for sure. Let's uh, look back at your past uh, Coke uh, Series experience. Uh, eight seasons, uh, you know, seven in a row. You know, we certainly call you a veteran of the Coke Series. Give us a little bit of perspective about what we're seeing here in 2020 compared to back when you started in like 2012? So I, I think the best way for me to explain this is in 2012, uh, we were racing for, you know, the championship, the champion gets 10 grand. Everybody else kind of gets a, you know, a pat on the back and hey, good job. You made it into the series kind of thing. Um, that, that's a big part of it, but I, I will say that the amount of effort is probably the biggest thing. Um, back when I started in 2012, I didn't know a single thing about setups. I was 16 years old. Um, I just got something that was comfortable for me and something, you, you know, word goes around that, hey, this works at every track. This, this set of tire pressures, this um, front sway bar works at every track. Uh, you know, once once we got word of that, we would run that, but now it is so unbelievably dedicated we have a dedicated testing schedule we have dedicated people for certain parts of the car um for instance i would be considered the aerodynamic guy for the uh for the team so getting ride heights set correctly for some of the bigger tracks daytona talladega qualifying setup race setup um that kind of stuff and uh we, we've got other guys for you know other guys like trying different spring packages, different tire pressures, different uh, bump shock stiffness, uh, that that kind of stuff. So uh, it is unbelievably difficult to get these things to go fast nowadays. And, and I would say that that is the biggest difference uh, between now and uh, and then. Okay. And then uh, 2015 to 2017, you had a, some good runs, uh, point finishes, 6th, 5th, and 4th. Uh, uh, tell us about those years. Those were the golden days for sure. I, I really, I, I, I had some solid, solid runs. Um, I got, I, I believe, like 15 to 20 of my 30 top fives in those three years. So um, we were really fast. It's a shame, you know. It, it's a blessing and a curse working with Ray Alfala for all these years because if you got a good car, you know how good your driving is because you can compare it to the best of the best. But 
at the same time, if you get the same setup as Ray Alfala, you're pretty much guaranteed you're not going to win the race. So <laughs> um, getting getting sixth, fifth, and fourth are, are really, really solid uh, years for me, and, and I'm really glad to have had those years. Um, and I can't thank the guys that, at Team Slip Angle enough for that. Um, I, I'd probably say my, my favorite most years was, uh, I believe it was 2016 at Phoenix, we had a really, really fast car, and uh, I went out in qualifying, and I ran a pole lap. Uh, I put it on the pole, but as I was slowing down, I was looking at my lap time to see if I got the pole, and I hit the wall. It didn't count my lap, so I started dead last on the field. We went green the whole way, and we were so fast, I, I was able to finish second in that race. So that, that's probably my defining moment in the series. That's, that's, if I had to go back, that's my favorite moment of all time. Second, knocking on the door there, yep. All right, well, let's uh, talk about 2020 uh, Coke Series uh, so far. Uh, your your finishes this year, 27th, 5th, and then 21st. Uh, tell us about your races. Well, Daytona was a really solid race for us. It's a shame that we ended up finishing where we did. Um, we led a few laps in that race. We ran the entire race up in the top five. Uh, just that last cycle of pit stops, we came out towards the back of the field and um, with the way that the racing was at Daytona, it was just three by three by three. And I was not going to risk going four wide to and tearing up my car and finishing 40th. Um, so unfortunately, I, I, you know, bad pit call, uh, slow pit stop, put us on the back there and we just couldn't get back up to the front and uh, go figure. The guys didn't wreck till after the start finish line there. And then uh, at auto club, I would say that that's the fastest car that I've ever had on the iRacing service. Um, we were able to get some pit strategy and stay out on old tires. Uh, I think five or six laps older tires than the leaders. And that got us ahead of everybody. And for some reason, we were just able to hang in the lead pack. And uh, we started to fall off towards the very end of the race. But once everybody else kind of hit that moment in their tires, we started speeding up again. And I'm not so sure that if the race didn't go maybe another 20 laps that we wouldn't have gone up there and won it because our tire wear at that track was just phenomenal. And then um, Homestead, I'm not too happy about. Homestead, we had a really good car as well, but it took too long to come in. Um, the first run, we were we were awful, just so incredibly tight. And once the track took rubber, we kind of took off, but uh, got held up quite a bit by uh, one of my fellow competitors and not not too happy about that one but we ended up with 21st and and you know as long as you finish 20th every week you make it into the top uh you make it into the top 20 in points and you get to come back and do it next year so i'm not really shooting for anything else uh at this point in the series once we get closer towards the end i'll start you know shooting for higher goals and stuff but right now it's just trying it's to early yeah trying to finish every lap yeah absolutely uh but man fifth at california that's a great run uh Tell us a, a little bit about being involved with Wood Brothers and who's your contact over there? Do you talk to John Wood? And uh, tell us about the trip to Charlotte a little bit. Well, I, I'd like to start this off by saying when I was a little kid, it was 2003, 2004, I was seven or eight years old. And uh, I was a huge John Wood fan. I would watch the, uh, they were known back then as the Bush Series races. And uh, I remember watching John Wood battle with Martin Truex Jr. for the win at Talladega uh, a long time ago. And I, I love the 47 car. 
I ran the 47 for a number of years in the uh, in the World Championship Series, the the former Peak Series. I was the 47 in that, and that's all inspired by me liking John Wood. Um, also, a big Paul Menard fan. I know this sounds completely out of touch to the to the regular racer who likes you know Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I was a big fan of the underdogs. So uh, you know Paul Menard and John Wood were my guys. And then when they joined the series, when Wood Brothers joined the series, John Wood messaged me and told me he was drafting me to the team that Paul Menard drives for, and I I I was beside myself. I was so happy. Um, they're a great group of people to work with. You know, John is uh, involved as involved can be in the series. Uh, he keeps us posted on, on what they're doing on the back end. Uh, we've got some great news coming in the, in the next couple of days, um, uh, with our sponsorship. I can't really release it yet, but I'm really excited about it. Um, and you know, having spin on board, they're great as well. Um, they provide a necessity to, uh, people in the Charlotte area and all around the, the country. So, uh, especially nowadays with people, you know, getting transportation to and from work. So, um, you know, they're, they're a great group of people. Uh, driving for the Wood Brothers is like being a part of NASCAR history. And then the trip to Charlotte. The trip to Charlotte was one of the best experiences of my life to race with all these people for up to 10 years and finally get to meet them in person and figure out who the best driver is in real life. We went out to GoPro Motorplex. We had some fun. Uh, got into a little bit of a, a couple of incidents with each other before the season got started. But I mean, the amount of effort that iRacing is putting into this series is unmatched in the esports world. And I'm glad that we're getting the notoriety we deserve. Boy, you can say that for sure. It's definitely happening. So, well, pretty, uh, pretty cool. Uh, you're running 15th in points. Let, tell us real quick about the next race. You guys are coming up to Bristol. We got the brand new uh, short track package, as they call it, uh, with the reduced spoiler, different radiator pan and whatnot. Uh, you said you've done a lot of laps. Tell us uh, what the groove is. Are, is it up against the wall going into the corner like usual? Uh, yes, yes and no. Um, we're carrying a ton of speed at Bristol, so... Uh, you do want to run the outside, you want to keep the momentum up, but you don't want to be right up against the wall. Um, you want to kind of have that arc out of the corner, so you want to go in a little low, kind of diamond it, sort of. I, I, I would relate it closely to running a lap around uh, Dover, if you were going to run the high side at Dover. That's probably what I would what I would uh, describe it at. But, you know, it, it's so fast and being used to this high downforce package, it's hard for me to say, um, you know, the the perfect way to drive it because I haven't figured it out yet. You know, we've done so many laps that it, it's it's difficult for me uh, to really say because I haven't gotten a grip on it yet. But it is a nice change of pace. We're carrying a lot of speed. There's a lot of instability in the car. I think you're going to see a fun race at Bristol. Um, the fans are going to get their money's worth, that's for sure. Okay. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate you coming on, Chris Overland, to tell us about your run in the 2020 Coke Series, 15th in points, uh, going into Bristol, and I, you know, you're looking pretty good. Now, a lot has happened this week with iRacing and NASCAR and and motorsports in general, and we're going to spend the next probably 45 minutes talking about it. But you need to go to a practice, obviously. But before you go, I I, I grabbed a quote from your Twitter. 
about this week. And I think that you summed it up perfectly uh, as far as speaking on behalf of the iRacer. And of course, all of our listeners are iRacers. So I'm going to read, Chris, what you uh, Twittered. It says, Dear NASCAR, thank you for embracing sim racing. This entire week has been so surreal from postponing the real racing to this race on Fox Sports 1. Sim racing is racing, and we're all so glad to be part of this. Thank you. Yeah, um, you, you know, it, it, I do get kind of sappy when it comes to sim racing. Um, being on the top level of it, and, you, you know, growing up a sim racer, uh, I think I'm one of the first people to say that I did that. I grew up sim racing. So I, I hold it very dearly to me. I hold it very close to my heart. It's part of who I am. And, you know, for a long time, I would go into a, you know, a cup garage. You know, you get, you make friends, some good friends with Landon Castle. Um, and, you know, I, you, you'd talk to drivers and be like, well, yeah, I drive in the iRacing series. And they'd be like, oh, hey, that's cool, man. But uh, with, with all this stuff going on now, you know, there's cup drivers who are on the iRacing service constantly and we're doing the pro invitational stuff uh and and you get to hang out with these guys and they get to watch you on tuesdays you know they, they ask you for pointers about how to get around the track and what differences iRacing has and what things work here that maybe don't work in real life um and it's just gotten to a point so quickly because of all the the chaos that's going on in the world right now um and it's nice to have a community that comes together and we can all have some fun during during this crazy time in life and crazy time in American and even world history. So uh, to come out of this like sim racing has with this big boom in popularity and membership, it, it, it's exciting to see. And that only means more fun for the rest of us. Uh, obviously, more money for iRacing, more money into development and, uh, you know, a better product at the end of the day. So. Um, yeah, no, NASCAR is at the, at the helm of all of this and they control the sim racing's destiny right now and they're taking the ball and they're running with it. So I just wanted them to know that they were appreciated. Yeah. Very well spoken, I thought, and, uh, definitely uh, conveys, I think what a lot of us are feeling right now. So well done, Chris, uh, tell us how everybody can follow you out there in your racing. Uh, you're on the Twitter or the Twitch. Um, I'm not doing any Twitch streaming right now. We're working on that. I gotta upgrade the computer first. Um, but you can find me on Twitter.com. Uh, you can find me at, at ChrisOverland47, no spaces. Um, on Instagram, I believe it's the same thing, ChrisOverland47. And then on Facebook, it's COR47, ChrisOverland Racing 47, abbreviated. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, this was really fun. And uh, yeah, yeah, feel free to tune into my Twitter. That's where I'm the most active. I uh, try to get a couple memes in a day at least. Yeah, good stuff on Twitter, definitely. Well, thank you, Chris Overland, for coming on. I'll let you know that we had Ashton Crowder on, and then he won the next race. So I'm expecting a bunch at Bristol. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear that. I'm getting ready to get number one here. Okay, you get it. All right, well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. You have a good one. Okay. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, jump into uh, NASCAR and uh, the crazy crossover that's happened this week. As, as Chris said, it's just surreal. And uh, we're going to go through it chronologically. So let's start before the race. Uh, initially, we heard from Keegan Leahy, where he actually posted up 
throttle traces of him with Denny Hamlin. And he's in a coaching uh, session with Mr. Denny Hamlin. And he put up the uh, throttle traces on Twitter. I thought it was interesting to see the VRS data guys and to see how closely, evenly these guys are matched and how maybe Keegan might even be a little bit faster. That telemetry is very good for coaching. I've, I've done it at uh, to try to get better at some of the road course stuff. And, it, yeah, you can see that they're just about doing the same thing. Um, I'm not sure which color is which, but you can you can definitely see that one of them is getting back to the throttle a little sooner. Yeah, Keegan is red, and uh, he is blue. And as you said, the red, you can see it picks up the throttle just a hair sooner than than Denny does, and that makes the difference probably. But very interesting to see, uh, you know, Keegan uh, compared to the pro. All right, David, what's and next? We've got a, actually a pretty sharp lineup of Chevys, and it was a Hendrick Motorsports promo video, and it, we have a link to it on the Twitter. Yeah, all the teams getting involved big time, uh, getting their paints on these cars, and uh, just kind of promoting what's going to be happening. And then, Tony, we started getting a look at uh, some of the rigs. Yeah, Timmy Hill, he posted up the Twitter uh, basically saying, hey, who needs to have one of those fancy rigs and a picture of his setup? And it's just a G27 on a desk with a monitor and a couple of speakers. Yeah, you don't need fancy to be fast. Well, if you noticed on Timmy's uh, picture, I think the previous week we saw one with a laptop. This time there's a desktop over on the right. Oh, well, see, there you go. Then he... He's actually upgraded. <laughs> he did upgrade. Yeah, I think he had a laptop with a fan pointing at it to keep it cold. But uh, yeah, t- he looks like he's got him a computer. I'm going to laugh if he upgrades to a to a Denny Hamlin style rig and then can't run anymore. <laughs> you probably can't afford a Denny Hamlin style rig. Holy cow. Okay, what was next, Chris? Uh, so we had um, kind, of a, kind of a cool video with uh, our friend Evan and Parker Klingerman getting us caught up on the Replacements 100 and um, the debut of the iRacing Pro Inventational Series. It's kind of neat. I kind of enjoy these videos where everybody's kind of at home, and they um, did some interviews as well and brought some other people in via Skype. They even uh, talked about that uh, uh, console garbage a little bit and even had Sloppy Joe on the show, which I don't know. If you're yeah, with the pro f- series, <laughs> use your real names. Come on, guys. But it was a uh, yeah, interesting video uh, with Evan Pasoko and Parker, basically just talking eye racing and what's going on this week, and uh, kind of reviewing what happened on the Sunday race with that replacements one hundred. Uh, that's going to explode. I've never seen him on video for that long. It looked like he had too much coffee. He was like vibrating, <laughs> rated pop. All right. <laughs> Uh, next up, we saw Denny does ESPN Sports Center, and uh, he posted up a video that he put on with uh, with Sports Center about uh, racing and the virtual race coming up. Uh, he also announced he's going to donate to charity of one hundred dollars for each lap led and five thousand if he wins uh, to families affected by the coronavirus in the Homestead, Miami area, and. Uh, I think eventually iRacing matched that as well as Fox Sports and uh, I think FedEx too. There were a bunch of people who matched it. I've never been a real big Diddy Hamlin fan, but you know he did this and he did a lot of things to kind of get this event put together. So uh, he definitely scored some points with me this week. My understanding is he's the one who really pushed all these drivers to get involved. 
and uh, kind of made the roster happen. Yeah, that's kind of what I've heard too. Yeah, he just and was kind of the liaison with a lot of that stuff. And one of the things that he did in that process is he hosted quite a few of the of practice races and and also just regular practice sessions. And the next thing we have posted is a tweet from Dell Jr. showing some of the practice times. It's got Parker Klugerman at the top with a 31-467. They are running fixed setups. There's a couple that are scratched out. I, I think that's because they had a couple of the iRacing guys in there running with them. Yep. Letting them run into it was practice. Tyler Hudson and uh, Kevin Inarelli, who's the track designer. So Jr. was definitely uh, cel- celebrating some of the, the uh, practice times there. Tony? Yeah, everybody uh, that participated in the race was full on with the Twitter, posting up, uh, you know, various shots of their, and, um, you know, a couple of videos of the setups that they were driving. Um, one in particular that I really liked was uh, Bobby Labonte's picture of him sitting in his rig, and he's racing exactly how I do it, full out barefoot. Just get a great feel for those. It's awesome. But they did a really good job with uh, a lot of these paints. Um, I'm more particular to uh, Ty Majeski's paint there with like a nice little splash of red coming up the you know the white white body of the car stood out quite well. It was easy to spot him in the race. Junior's paint was actually borrowed from something that uh, was it Logan Clampett ran last Conti. year. Oh, was it Michael? Sorry, Michael Conti ran last year. Yeah, the filter time car. Yep, I heard that on the Dale Junior download. Uh, I got to mention that the rigs that the drivers are running, I, I would say more than fifty percent of them are from this guy, Chad Wheeler, with the WR1 chassis. And it's just basically a stationary cockpit that he, you know, designs with everything all loaded and ready to go. And that's what Bobby Labonte's got in his garage. And you mentioned his bare feet. His wife made a, a video, a post-race video of him and, and his recommendation on racing bare feet. And Hamlin raced that way, too. So you might be onto something, Tony. Yeah, Kyle Larson did an Instagram of his rig. He has the same wr1 uh as well but check out what kyle uh, bush was racing guys he was in the simcraft motion cockpit didn't help him much <laughs> it didn't help him much i think he's got ty gibbs there uh, uh coaching him uh, as well but that was kind of neat to see uh kyle running simcraft it was cool to see him show up period because you would think with his personality you know he had to know that going into this without much experience he wasn't going to be very good and he still did it anyway. So that you know, kudos to him, I suppose, even though he's still Kyle Busch. He's and then we had a... had fun with it, though. Yeah. We had a late entry to the race, and that was none other than seven-time Jimmy Johnson. Less than 24 hours before the race started, uh, he did announce on Twitter that he will uh, participate. That's another one you had to give big props to because he had to know that he was going to be... He was going to look like a fool. <laughs> okay, and so the next thing that happened was... Just like any other NASCAR race, the entire NASCAR industry just did what they always do. In this case, Jeff Gluck uh, hosts his first virtual tweet-up on Instagram Live. And uh, I did participate and uh, get on uh, the Instagram Live that morning. And uh, Jeff Gluck had many uh, people come on uh, that he talked with. Uh, Some of the drivers, like Clint Boyer, you also had Bob Pockrass and Jenna Fryer and other media folks, and it was interesting. And uh, the the you know people, the fans got to you know chime in and do a little chat and that kind of thing. And uh, 
it was neat to be a, a, in a tweet up. Now I've been to tweet ups at the racetrack before. And so it was kind of cool to see this kind of going on. Uh, also weather, uh, the NASCAR weatherman tweeted out, Hey, no rain outs or rain delays. 100% sure. And I've been seeing this happen a lot lately online. Uh, just the virtual concerts popping up everywhere. Uh, people are doing actually collabs with virtual choirs and virtual bands and orchestras. Uh, and Tim Duggar, performed a pre-race concert before the e e uh, NASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational race. I missed that somehow. I don't know how I missed it, but I did. Was it not on Fox or what was it? Uh, I'm not sure where it was where it was broadcast. I think it was just on Twitter. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I somehow missed Tim Duggar. And then, Tony, we got to look at uh, Jeff Gordon practicing. Yeah, yeah. Another Twitter fo photo up with uh, Gordon and Mike Joy, both... Uh, yeah, getting ready to, to call the race. And um, if you guys notice with this one, um, they're at the, the nice, cautious two-meter distance apart from each other. Um, they're looking all nice and relaxed and, and having fun. And, I mean, that totally came through as they uh, were calling the race. Those guys were just seemed to be having a blast with it. You know, and it's kind of odd to think that they're not up in the tower, you know, looking down at the racetrack, you know, looking out the window. They're looking at computer monitors, two or three of them in front of them, and that's what they got. And uh, I was impressed with how Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon did. Initially, it was a little lanky, but I think as the race went on, they got into a rhythm, and they and uh, it worked out really well. Yeah, it was kind of kind of incredible actually how well they were able to make it look like you know pretty close to their normal broadcast, given that they were had you know they had completely different tools to use. I'm guessing. But they definitely, like you said, it started. It just really started to sound like a a, a real broadcast. Uh, it kind of even made me a little happy. They even had happy hour, Chris. Yeah, um, a tweet by um, Anthony Alfredo had uh, some practice times right before the race when these guys were getting warmed up. And uh, Mike, you mentioned that you'd like to see some more of this, some more stats other than just these random, you know, tweets of the these practice times. Yeah, NASCAR is used to putting out good stats, including 10-lap averages and that kind of thing. Uh, iRacing needs to really step up on that uh, so the fans can get, can access these kind of stats. I mean, especially when it's virtual. I mean, just tweet out a link to some stats and make it pretty. Uh, this is a huge opportunity for iRacing to get the stats right. Uh, one more thing. What did you guys think about the names in the top 10 at Happy Hour I mean, Ty Majeski going into this race was certainly the favorite. Um, in fact, they even had odds, Las Vegas odds, uh, that were posted on this virtual race, and he was at the top of the list. A lot of them didn't really surprise me because you see a lot of the guys at the, the top of the list were our iRacers. Right. Um, but Clint Boyer, <laughs> that one surprises me a lot. <laughs> I think that's what I said in the thread in our uh, chat. It's like, wow, how's Clint Boyer up there? Yeah, go Boyer. Especially after seeing him in his race and how he was kind of floundering about. He's got, I mean, he beat TJ Majors by a good bit. You know that dude is on there practicing. Okay, and as I mentioned, uh, DraftKings actually put up a, a pick pool with a $1,000 prize uh, for the NASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational. And then even Denny Hamlin decided to uh, handicap the drivers, and he put up on Twitter his virtual odds from his perspective, uh, with Ty Bajewski at the front, William Byron, Timmy Hill third. 
uh, Circus Sports actually, uh, on Twitter actually put up proper odds like Vegas odds. And they also had Ty Majeski, uh, Timmy Hill, uh, William Byron as the top three. So imagine how how somebody will feel if they uh, they have a bet on a, a guy and his uh, controller goes out in the middle of the race. I don't know if they could take that into consideration. But is I mean, all this was put together in a week too. It was it was incredible how many different you know places kind of came together to make this happen to make it feel real. They even brought in sponsors. Uh, we have a couple of uh, tweets out. Landon Castle picked up Radius as a sp- sponsor online, and Jeffrey Earnhardt was attempting to qualify running for Floyd Mayweather's new team. Right. He was trying to uh, qualify and he didn't uh, with the 50 car, which is uh, supposedly the number that May- Mayweather's going to start his team with. So trying to get a tie in with those guys. So and then if that wasn't enough, a final hype video. Yeah. I was just going to say like, we got sponsors, we get business deals and we've got like professional style hype videos. I mean, don't get me wrong. iRacing does a, does really good jobs but um if it was iRacing that puts this one together they really stepped up their game the track is backed by uh um uh, a song from duggar and it's just like what you would see you know on 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 tv hyping up a race or you know they do that before um before each race they kind of show a little uh video and with, with the music and stuff like that this is just one of those it just felt exactly like yeah, very good video. Definitely, I was hyped. <laughs> and then, Chris, mainstream media coverage as well. Um, yeah, both in the Washington Post and Auto Week had articles about the race. And the the Washington Post was the the front page of their their sports page. It's a huge article with this giant picture. It was pretty awesome. It was it was it was neat. It was also covered on Fox News. And our, and most mainstream media did cover it in one way or the other. Let's move on to the race. The actual race was a caution fest, especially the beginning. Uh, presentation by Fox Sports I thought was superb. There were no technical glitches, really. Uh, Jeff Gordon and Mike Joy, like we said, did a great job. At the end, you could hear someone disconnect from TeamSpeak. You know, we've all heard that before. Uh, the, we, I did hear that once. And uh, there was one spot earlier uh, when the video actually froze for like a moment. Uh, but they also added sound effects. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed that, like cl- crowd uh, cheering and that kind of thing. Uh, I thought it was appropriate and needed, and I, I knew it was a sound effect because we, we don't hear that in the regular sim. Maybe they should add it. It was in it. Well, you know, it was just the timing of it, you know. And uh, Yeah. They have, fire, they have fireworks at some of the tracks. I know Sebring, the fireworks go off at the end of the race. And it, I, I'm glad they did the... Yeah, I'm glad they did the extra sound. I thought it was helpful. Uh, But at the end, guys, it was good racing at the end. That really kind of brought it home, which usually happens in a NASCAR race. Uh, That's what people remember. But it was good racing at the end as Denny Hamlin was was on 10-lap newer tires and uh, the cars in front of him. He was working his way up there uh, to the win and uh, beat Dale Jr. at the line. They kind of Almost came together. It kind of shot. It was almost a net code. Shot Dale Jr. down to the apron, uh, where he still was able to finish second. Uh, then it was Timmy Hill third and Chase Briscoe uh, fourth. Uh, let's hear the call of uh, Hamlin taking the win. What a race! What a finish! Yeah, those fans should be cheering. They saw a heck of a race. Yeah, it was a pretty good race. Uh, 
What'd you guys think? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> uh, I'll go. Um, it was great. It was exciting. I had it on uh, while I was in the garage, which is the only place I can lift now. Um, and yeah, it was just, you were right there and it felt real. And it was exciting to see Junior back up towards the front too. It felt like a normal NASCAR race. I mean, I forgot about coronavirus for two hours. Yeah, and kind of like you said, the the majority of the race was kind of a caution fest. It wasn't really all that good of a race compared to what they'll probably be able to put on once they have a little bit of practice. But they did such a good job um, filling in those blanks with um, like, you know, stuff from Larry Mack and uh Boyer did a, an amazing job as the in-race reporter. They cut to him a bunch of times. I enjoyed it more than, you know, on their first attempt, uh, Rust, you know, kind of a little broken was still better than what I'm used to on a race day, I thought. And it was it was great how they, they professionally, they were professional, but at the same time, they still had a, a, a enough levity to it. Um, with it being a, you know, an exhibition race and, and everybody just trying to have some fun while everybody's coped in. Yeah. That was a good balance that Mike joy, I think brought to the broadcast of, Hey, let's keep it lighthearted and fun, but Hey, we're still racing. Well, the best part about this whole thing for me was, you know, as I'm watching it, there's so many times where it just kept reality kind of faded in and out, in and out. I kind of forgot that I was watching I racing, um, which was totally cool. And, and, Kind of on point, really. Uh, Clint Boyer, <laughs> he's bloody gold. That Lord, like every time he came on, man, that was—it just seemed to highlight everything. I love listening to that guy just crack off. It's great. And um, the the best part about this is there is not one guy that they showed on there that wasn't smiling. Everybody was having a blast, which I think in turn made everybody watching just enjoy it that much more because everybody was just having. What a great thing to do, and I can't wait. I can't see, wait to see what they do with it going forward. And, you know, to get cameras on the driver so we can see them in the rigs, I think is crucial. I think that's really the next step is let's see these guys as they're going around the track and see their ex facial expression. And I think that will just take it to the next level. 100%. We need that, especially the Coca-Cola series. Um, we, we need to continue uh being able to put uh, faces to those names and, you know, really start rooting for the, for the guys, uh, you know, behind the screen instead of just, just on the car. And okay. So let's talk uh, post-race, David. Yeah. You were mentioning Tony that they were all smiling and we have a link to several tweets here, particularly from, from Denny Hamlin. We have one where his daughter is getting him a Coke. Um, but the, the last lap, and him screaming, he basically sounds like just like Mike when when he won his last NIS race, um, and it was hilarious how his daughter was getting onto him for the language. All right, and they were not racing for money. All right, I'll I'll, I'll listen to Sirius XM and people will be saying, well, we should pay so much for this lap and so much for halfway and so much for this, thinking that the money is going to make make them race harder. They race to win, whether it is i racing or or go karts or grocery baskets they're they're racers and you could see that in this case yeah especially that video of you can see denny's face on the last lap and how he looks to the left as he's passing dale jr and and he gets to the line he's you know fist pumping and hell yeah you know kind of thing and and i, I saw a later interview with him on sports center after the race 
And he, he was saying, you know what? That's the same reaction I have in the real car. Uh, it, there was no difference. And that's a video where his daughter brings in the Coke. I don't know if you noticed, but she she wasn't very careful in, with the Coke when she brought it to him and ends up exploding almost inside of his rig. And what kind of rig does he got? I can't remember the name of it, but he's got a motion rig as well. I believe it's the same as Kyle Bush's. A Sim, Simcraft. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, he's got a, a monster rig and uh, motion and everything as well. NASCAR.com, of course, you know, highly promoting the last lap of the race, uh, you know, on social media. And then uh, also, Tony, how about onboards? Yeah, I mean, if you ever wanted to experience uh, how you get around Dale Jr., um, you can ride along for the last six laps of uh, Denny's Charge to the Front, uh, posted it up on Twitter, and it just links right over to YouTube. The only thing I wish is, you know, right at that that last point where he's passing Dale, I wish it was uh, set, um, you know, Right behind the steering wheel instead of kind of uh, over towards the, the passenger side, over towards the left side. I'd love to see the, the steering wheel inputs and stuff like, as he's uh, getting by him. And, but uh, overall, it's, it's kind of neat to be able to that, that last charge. Well, the way you get around Dale Jr. is have 10 lap fresher tires. There you go. And, and uh, you know, D- Dale talked about it on his podcast that he knew he was a, a sitting duck. Yeah, All right. Was, and then uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was skipping Tony there. Now go ahead with uh, media, uh, Chris. Uh, yeah, there was a, a ton of post-race media, like I said, including uh, Dale Jr.'s podcast, the download. We had sporting uh, sporting news. I had a, a really <laughs> a funny tweet where I apparently um, Ryan Blaney was Chase Elliott's uh, crew chief, and it wasn't a very good crew chief, so he kind of blasted him there. Um, Fast Talk presented by Toyota, um, Jeff Gluck's podcast, The Teardown, uh, lots of places to find some um, good conversation about this week's uh, festivities. It, yeah, I mean, the NASCAR media just ran with it like it's a regular race. I mean, all the NASCAR uh, podcasts are just talking about it just like any other NASCAR race. Uh, it was interesting to hear some of it. Um, you know, for example, you mentioned Ryan Blaney being the crew chief. I think uh, Chase was saying, well, he kept leaving the room to have to go get another beer. Yeah, I want to know why he wasn't in the race. At least he wasn't having ice cream. <laughs> he probably did that too. But to hear all my regular prod, uh, podcasts talking about this, like it's real racing, and it is real racing, but like Fast Talk and uh, the, the, pit, the O'Reilly Pit Reporters and, and the way that they're describing what they saw – and what was the other interesting thing is is for them, the iRacing is new to them. You know, they've been in covering NASCAR for forever, but it's still new to them. And to hear their, you know, thoughts about the race and, oh, the rigs were looking so cool and all that, uh, it was very interesting perspective. So it's an interesting time to be a NASCAR fan as far as uh, podcast and media goes. It's pretty wild seeing Dave Moody tweet about iRacing yeah and then you know dale jr download i mean he covered all kinds of stuff uh that was pretty in, uh, intensive as well what about stats uh let's go over that a little bit um i mean there was a iRacing social leaderboard uh that indicated uh it was kind of a graph of which drivers were getting the most mentions on social media there were over 34 million impressions 
190,000 engagements and 11,000 posts on social media. And then uh, Zoomf uh, actually reported up uh, some stats as well um, that iRacing's event on Fox Sports 1 becomes the most viewed esports event in U.S. television history, beating out Mortal Kombat in 2016. It's uh, pretty easy to do when you're bringing in a real-life crowd base. Right. And then the other big stat uh, we heard today was... uh, iRacing has added about 5,000 members since announcing the Pro Invitational Series last week, taking a subscriber base to a new count of 120,538. So how many weeks ago did we say it broke 100,000? Six? Eight, maybe? Yeah, wasn't it back in January when that happened? Yeah, so like January, and now we're at 120. It's kind of going up exponentially. You might say it's going viral. Okay, and then uh, David, uh, Keegan got an opportunity. This is where you bring out the cricket sound effect. Okay, yeah, Keegan got the spot for Denny, uh, and he has a nice tweet showing where he was doing it for him. Can you imagine being the spotter for Denny Hamlin? I mean, what a a lifetime opportunity uh, for a NASCAR fan or even any iRacer. Uh, Also, we got a video, Chris, of Kurt Busch. I thought that was cute. It was something. (laughs) But yeah, uh... Uh, Kurt Busch did uh, the national anthem. It's just him and his girlfriend or wife, whoever that is, standing under his phone um, with the national anthem playing. He did a nice gesture. That's right. He wasn't sure if they were going to do it, so he made sure he did it. So he wasn't going to race without one. I thought that was cool of Kurt. And then uh, the biggest surprise to uh, Mike Davis over at uh, Dale Jr. Download was the video of the last lap of Dale Jr. uh, finishing second with one hand on the steering wheel. Yeah, he said uh, it's faster. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he talked about this quite a that even in the in the real car, he really mostly drove with his with his one hand and the other hand was just there for stability. He would just kind of slide it around depending on what part of the corner he was in. So he just pulls the wheel down with his left hand and doesn't really use the right. Mm -hmm. But uh, it is kind of interesting to see how nonchalant he is. You know, it's not like I don't know. Earnhardt doesn't look like he's all, uh, you know, up on the wheel kind of thing. He's just kind of casual sitting there, you know. He's kind of just, he's grown into that kind of a guy uh, that's just very laid back about things as as he's as, as he's gotten up there. But it, do, it does, it looks, it makes you just think um, you don't have to work that hard to, to, to race well. I've seen, I, w- I watch drummers that can do the same thing. They, they play these ins- insanely technical passages and they're barely moving right how about radioactive this was entertaining uh, there's a couple of videos uh both have the same audio cut differently and it's a chance to hear the driver chat between each other that's one thing that is different in iRacing compared to the real life you're no longer allowed to to talk between drivers in on on the the real track but there is a driver chat and um it sounded just like an nis race yeah, people calling people out and you know, yelling because why is there a caution? You know, I wish I could have had audio from the whole race because that was so funny being able to you know with the drivers being able to talk to each other. And I know uh, our friend uh, Fast Pasta Anthony Alfredo. He he's a friend of the podcast and a really nice guy, but man, he sounded like kind of a dick on the chat. He said he sounded like the NIS guy. 
It He's like, can you not arc a break in there? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, he said, like, every iRacer, you know, with all these pros in there that have probably never done it before. And it was, it was, was it just so somebody, funny. Somebody wasn't catching up during the yeah, Telling Ricky Stenhouse, catch up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, I love the radioactive. So, uh, pretty cool uh, that we got a couple versions of that. And speaking of driver reactions, we had some other thoughts for, on Twitter, Tony. Yeah, yeah, quite a few of them, actually, in about a, a five-minute video they posted up of all the drivers giving the reactions throughout the race, or, sorry, after the after the race, um, just giving their thoughts on, on the race, which were just all positive. And once again, you know, every, everybody's just saying, you know, how much fun they had, um, and that's just absolutely great. It was, I didn't get to see the whole video, but everything that I saw, I was like, yep, yep, this is, this is cool. I liked it because it gave us a post-race interviews that we didn't get because it's not, you know, a real life broadcast. You know, normally after the race, there are pit reporters on pit road getting quotes from drivers and stuff. Well, we don't have that opportunity in this situation. So it was pretty cool that just a few, a couple hours after the, the race, we have a video of those interviews of all the, well, most of the drivers. So, yeah, I mean, just everything that the entire industry did to make it feel like a real NASCAR race, uh, pre-race, post-race, the media, uh, everything, it just worked out really well, I thought. So, is um, Chris, is Jimmy going to be the last guy to join the party? Um, maybe not. We have a tweet from Kevin Harvick, and it says, uh, well, I guess I need to figure this out. And it just has a picture of a couple of those Chad Wheeler rigs. Uh, sitting there so it looks like maybe he's looking to sign up which is awesome but it kind of sucks for some of those guys that are going to get knocked down into the the last chance qualifiers some of these some of these other pros come up yeah but you got to leave a seat for harvick that's for sure oh for sure and like if we could get tony stewart man i i would think he would do it i just it seems like we're missing out because that would be great to have him we need the other retired carl guys. edwards yeah they could, they could run the trucks at eldora I know uh, Jeff, uh, Greg Biffle was on Twitter asking to get an invite. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, we could put together so many dream races for this stuff. We're going to have to start doing splits in the, in the Invitational. Okay, and uh, one note was uh, the Fox broadcast was actually 720p. It wasn't even high definition, but that's how Fox always does it on Fox Sports 1. Uh, and there were some people saying, oh, yeah, especially at the beginning when they were just showing the track, it looked a little grainy, but that's not because iRacing looks grainy. It's because Fox is broadcasting in standard definition. I'm guessing it's probably to save bandwidth on that app, but it, you know, even at the 720p, it still looked really good. It did. Well, uh, I know on my cable, it comes in on the digital stations, which are, which are all 720 then shortly after that, Fox announced they're going to broadcast the entire season, which I think is five or six weeks um, that they're planning. Uh, it's going to be on the big Fox, not just Fox Sports 1. In fact, I heard it was even simulcast on Fox Sports 1 and Fox. And so, uh, boy, this week at Texas, uh, we're looking at some big numbers when you are when you move it over to the big Fox. You know, that's not a cable television channel i mean that's a free channel well yeah, they better it, hurry up and they better hurry up and send it up to canada because i had to go <laughs> find a stream to watch i was not happy for the first little bit and then i found it and i was happy 
you yeah, did find a way to watch it. I was able to watch it on the app, but I'm in America. Yeah, yeah, I was able to. Um, there was uh, some Twitch streams on doing the whole thing, so that that was good. But man, they they. Oh, what about Canada, man? Let's not leave you guys out. I was gonna say he'll tell you how he got access to it, but then he'll have to shoot you. Okay, and then we had a full race recap, David. And it was a great way. To, it's a great way to sum up this ho- this whole coverage of the race. Uh, it's uh, a classic highlight reel, about two and a half minutes long. It's a lot of crashes, including and then the finish, and you get to hear Mike Joy and and Jeff Gordon just just uh, with one soundbite after another. Okay, there was a top ten video, but it looks like it got deleted. Oh no, there it's still there on YouTube. That's yeah, it's, regular it's still- racing top ten, yeah. Yep. If if uh, you don't want to do the the recap and you just want to see the top ten of great things happening in that race, um, you can find it right on YouTube. Another about four and a half minute video of goodness. It's amazing how much content NASCAR has put out throughout the week, pre race and post race with this. I mean, these guys were they had nothing to put out, and now they're just loving this because they have so much stuff. And none of the other sports can do this. Uh, Denny covered this pretty well in one of his interviews that um, this is one of the only, this is the only sport where the game is using the same skill set. To throw a pass in Madden, you push a button. You don't actually throw the quarter, you know, you don't actually make the throwing motion. Whereas here you're, you've got the same skill set. And so it, that's why it translates so well. Okay. Then Chris, more good news. Uh, yeah, a tweet by um, Adam Stern, who is a, a motorsports reporter, says um, NASCAR is interested in continuing the Pro Invitational Series esports event in some shape or form in the future, even after the coronavirus shutdown ends, per Tim Clark. And he quotes Tim Clark saying, I do think that there is a more long-term play here. Those conversations have happened. So yeah, it'd, be, it'd be neat to They're already talking about, you know, once um, once they get back to real full-term, you know, full-time racing that there, this still is probably going to exist, which is awesome to hear for us. Yeah. We were thinking off season racing in, in my world, in my perfect series there, you do both. Like, uh, you know, that's how you can save the team money. If half the racing is done in real life and half of it's still in the sim and you have to be good at both of them. It'd be sweet. <laughs> Never going to happen, but it would be cool. What a week it's been. Uh, it's just been surreal. Yeah. I mean, you could have the, the, the real life race. And I mean, imagine you could put together entire races, just like the ones we talked about with the Dale juniors and the Bobby Labonis and the Carl Edwards. I mean, those might get more attention than the real life race would be the only problem. Yeah. All right. Let's move on from NASCAR. David, let's talk IndyCar. Well, NASCAR led the way, uh, but all the other series are, are jumping on the bandwagon as well. And we have an IndyCar iRacing challenge coming up this weekend. And it looks like it's being set up. There's a bracket up here. I don't know what that's for. No, that's the fan vote. Fan vote for which track. So they're letting the fans uh, pick. I think the last I saw, it was narrowed down between Michigan or Watkins Glen. All right. And and they're going to stream each race live on IndyCar.com. Um, and it's featuring most of the IndyCar drivers as well. And we're, we're going to cover this later, but the arrow screen is now in iRacing. Yeah, and you will have to redo your paints because of the arrow screen. Uh, there is a new uh, paint uh, template out. And also, while we're talking about some of the other series that are that are jumping on the bandwagon, we covered a couple of other of them. But we had a fan 
actually hop on. Daniel Coxon mentioned that the Supercars E-Series is actually starting on the 6th of April as well, and it's going to be on the Supercars Facebook page. Boy, it's crazy. All right, well, I saw the entry list for the uh, IndyCar race. Uh, all IndyCar drivers, some past drivers. Uh, one entry that kind of jumped out at me was Scott Speed, which I thought was a little out of place. But apparently he's running in, uh, instead of uh, Marco Andretti uh, to represent Andretti Autosport, Autosport because apparently Marco doesn't like iRacing. Was it Scott that was banned for quite a while for a lot of intentional wrecking? Yep. Yep. All right, let's keep moving. Tony Groves, once again, we have the missing pace car. Yeah, this was uh, in the A series. I'm not sure if it was fixed or open. I guess at that part, don't really matter. Turn one, lap one, incident, yellow comes out, pace car stays in the pits for the whole race. And apparently it was reported it happened in the, one of the Friday night NIS Open races as well. Yeah, when I was running Friday night uh, NIS Open, uh, somebody in my race said uh, his teammate at a different split had the same problem where the pace car uh, just didn't come out. I think it's just like one of those, you know, because we don't hear about it too often, but we, you know, it, it does come up every now and again. It's just one of those things. I don't even know if they could come up with a fix for that. I don't know. I mean, it happened to me, I want to say, like nine months ago or something. So, yeah, it is a rare occurrence. I've It's happened to me, though, and I went, it, I went ahead and finished the race trying to not lose any points. It was kind of a waste of five hours. Oh, so if the pace car doesn't come out, then uh, it doesn't record it as official then? Well, you no, it'll still be an official race, but it's a matter of who gets to finish first, right? You still they're still going to reward points. Oh, okay. So there were several of us who just stayed on track and kept going, thinking that we would finish first. Were you able to pit, or did you just run it, have to run it out of fuel? Eventually, we pit, and when we were out of fuel, I think I went three fuel runs. That's why it was five hours. There was one car going, if I remember right, there was one car going really, really, really slow trying to extend his fuel without stopping um, to outlast everybody else. And there were others that were going fast, and they would stop for gas. And so I think the guy who never stopped was the guy who won. But anyway, let's keep moving. David, we got the Sebring Super Saturday happened. Yeah, this was uh, really fun to watch as well. And it was done, the broadcast team, it was the IMSA broadcast team. And so just like the NASCAR race, it was a lot of the the – IMSA drivers, as well as the IMSA broadcast team. However, they were only in GTs. Uh, they didn't run any of the other classes, but it was still very entertaining to watch. Yeah, Nick Katzberg and Jesse Crone uh, ran out the podium with Bruno Spingler taking the checker. And it was an all BMW podium. Uh, there, there was no Ferrari hardly anywhere to be seen. Okay, Chris, we got good news. The replacements, 100 returns kevin hamlin tweeted out uh the replacement returns as an eight race series beginning this tuesday at 9 p.m eastern time we'll run every other tuesday night alternating between cup cars and street stocks with an official iRacing stream we kick off the cup cars at kansas this week so really cool that that race that series is going to keep going but they probably could have picked a better time than right in the middle of the uh coke series yeah coke series and the road to pro they're doing every other week so it's only on the road to pro oh okay okay that's not so bad so okay but still yeah 
So they did run uh, this week, and Josh Berry was the winner. Big surprise there. Yeah, he's an iRacer. Right. So that'll be fun to watch. Uh, next up, uh, I don't know who sent this in. Somebody on the team, a video of iRacing crash highlights uh, by not iRacing, but one of our uh, drivers, uh, one of the iRacers. Uh, his name is iRacing Sam, and he got a six-minute uh, video here of some of that new damage model. And uh, if you just want to get some look at some different cars being wrecked, uh, boy, you'll like this one. But uh, kind of neat to see uh, some of the different cars and how they behave uh, when you when you wreck them real hard. Okay, I'm, Tony. I'm ready. I'm ready to see the uh, new damage model come out on on the A car. Yeah. You think with the NASCAR thing going on that that's going to be a high priority? So, okay, Tony Groves, database issues. Yeah, I guess uh, they were experiencing what they called an acute database failure. Is uh, interrupting all user sessions that were trying to register, join, withdraw, um, and I guess it could have prevented results from being properly recorded as well. Um, I don't think it was. I don't think it happened for very long, but uh, no. Yeah, so as, as of now, all the services have been fully restored. Everything's working good. Boy, yeah, that would certainly suck. It was a couple hours on Monday that you couldn't race at all. And if you were in a race, you lost your I rating. So, yeah, that's a huge burn. Well, all in all, though, you know, they have to have you know extra traffic right now. Probably a lot more people online than normally during the week. And they're probably mostly working from home. So, all things considered, the sim has been running pretty good, it seems like to me. That's right. Now, I think they even mentioned that it wasn't because of volume of people. It was just a, a database issue, unrelated. All right, David, Season 2, Patch 2. Yeah, quite a few things actually happened with this patch. Uh, they made some changes for Go Racing and AI, a couple of tweaks for the teams and leagues. Um, they renamed all of the tracks that were called Archive to Legacy. So basically all of the free tracks that, that are older versions of current tracks, they're now called Legacy instead of Archive. Um, AI drivers will now limp to the pits rather than calling for a tow uh, when just suspension or damper is broken. They fixed an issue in race control where pace car would get stuck in the pits and never come back out. Ooh, maybe they fixed it. Yeah, if a new caution emerged just as it was parking. So maybe that will fix that. Uh, the valid pit stall area to receive pit service has been has been increased slightly. So a little bit easier to not uh, slide through the pits, maybe. Uh, they did some work on cautions with the do not count lap issue. And they also put, fixed a potential frame freeze that could occur when the green-white checkered message pops out. There's a thing in test sessions where you can adjust the weight and engine power of your car now. Um, another thing about the pace car, they fixed some issues with the pace car's perception of reality. So okay. Should no longer. No more LSD. Yeah, he should no longer face through walls when when he's leaving the pits to catch up to the leader, and he should no longer fly off banks, turns, and disappear, uh, and try to zoom out in front of the leader before pacing. You know, I've talked about this before. I wish they would make it where he didn't come out until the leader was to about at about the right distance. Uh, right. They fixed some things with rendering. Uh, so it's basically some graphics issues. Fixed a couple of problems with the dynamic uh, level of detail. On the audio, they fixed an issue where the low frequency effects could cause, could cease to function when moving from practice sessions directly to race sessions. 
Ooh, and that's nice. Because I haven't been doing practice because of that. Uh, because the, the woofer wouldn't work if you go into the practice and then go to the race. You have to go straight into the race. So they fixed it. They also fixed something where the low frequency sounds were sometimes mapped to the wrong speakers when the simulation was using surround sound mode. All right. And this one I've still got to figure out uh, because my pedals are not vibrating anymore. But my wheel is. Uh, the brake wheel and Xbox Rumble motors, motors are now driven with an analog signal. You can revert back to the binary on-off signal via the force feedback joy enabled vibrate pedal binary equals one option found in the app INI. And then there was also a change with X input devices, which now only vibrate if mapped to the steering wheel. You can enable all X input devices to vibrate by setting force feedback, yada, 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 yada. Um, and they also fix an issue where Xbox control shaker controller shakers are disabled if the wheel shift indicator was disabled. And then they did a lot of tweaks to the different cars, some balance of pet power issues. Something was going on with the Delara F3 damage model. And they added their windscreens like we talked to before about on the IR18. The cup cars, uh, they got the uh, visual for the short track uh, adjustments. They did. And they also have now on the dash a number and, and name up, up on, the, um, on the dash on the end car which will make it a little bit better for broadcasters. Um, and also, in case you forget your name or your number, you can just look right up there and see it. And it's that extra, that area is actually custom paintable if you're using custom numbers. So that I'm sure they're definitely planning on using that for the upcoming broadcasts. The one that got me was the Bristol New Track Configuration Single Pit Road. Yep, that's going to take away the huge, huge disadvantage of being car number 23 when you qualify. That's everybody, right. Everybody will be pitting from the back now. Um, the only question is, can they disable? I don't think they can disable it when you're under green. So I think it'll mean you have to to go through that way every time. I'm curious which configuration they'll use for NIS. And then uh, the Hell track from Norway, they added the road configurations. and route, and uh, So four different configurations to that. And then Texas Motor Speedway, they added lighting. They added night lighting as well as uh, the, they did some adjustments to the crowds and uh, updated advertisements and LED settings. So this is a pretty hefty patch. It is. Pretty impressed. Let's keep moving. Chris, uh, Alex Bergeron wins the season opener. Yeah, picking up right where he left off. Um, I'm quoting um, Sprint Car and Midget Magazine saying there's no stopping uh, team ABR Esports and racing Bergeron during Monday nights iRacing World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car World Championship kickoff at Belusia Speedway. And man, he just, he put a whooping on him. <laughs> I, I hope one of these days I have enough free time where I can do some dirt racing on the sim because they have just done an incredible job. I mean, the, the races, just like last year, I only got to see the highlights, but it was... It was so fun, so much fun to watch. It's just they do a great job. Other than Bergeron, like I said, sticking up the show, there was a great race for like second through fourth, though. Yeah, I didn't even see it, but uh, congrats to Alex. Uh, let's keep moving. Uh, we had a notice. Uh, history will be made on Wednesday with the World of Outlaws on Dirt Vision when NASCAR and NHRA drivers battle with the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series in the inaugural World of Outlaws race. So they did an online race on Wednesday night, and it was shown on Dirt Vision if you wanted to pay $9.99 to watch it. 
I thought it was kind of ridiculous that they're charging to watch a virtual race. Yeah, I mean, especially... Um, I especially now. This, yeah, and I probably would have watched this, and then... Like so, you had a it was good. It should have been a great field, and then that's you get guys hooked, and then you get them a, for a subscription that's maybe less than what they charge. They're kind of expensive anyway. I don't I don't think pay per view modeling is going to work for online sports. I don't think so either. Nobody's going to pay for this. It's forty bucks a month or ten dollars for one race. So if that's their model, then let them have at it. But they lost a ton of viewers by doing that model. Yeah, and like I was just saying, you can still find plenty of really awesome dirt racing to watch on the oh, yeah. for free. Right. What they should probably do is hire on a sponsor, kind of like uh, the Porsche East Cup, Esports Super Cup has. Like right? who? Well, they've signed on Tag Hewer. Whoa, the f- watch guys. Mm-hmm. And that is raising their prize pool to $200,000. Holy cow. Fancy watch guys. How is this just a blip on the radar? <laughs> It's because it's been a crazy week, but man, this is really big news. That, that doubles the prize pool, doesn't it? Yeah, hundred thousand to two hundred thousand. And we we have several links on the notes, show notes, if you want to the diff, different write ups and uh, social media posts. That's right. Uh, so congratulations, iRacing, uh, for getting Tag Hooer. That's a big win, and that's a great sponsor to have on a road car, a road series. I think you know you see Tag Hooer. Uh, advertising on, on various European road series and stuff. So it, it's a good crossover. Okay, Tony Gross, uh, our friend Ron on the team who works with Hattori Racing uh, sent this over. Yeah, they're uh, putting on like a, a benefit race. Um, it's to uh, to help out uh, well, what was formerly known as the Mooresville Soup Kitchen. It is now Feed NC um, to help out that area during the COVID-19 um so they're uh basically what they're asking for is a minimum donation of five dollars to help them they ask you to get this in you know 24 hours before the race but it is open to anybody but it's on a first come first serve basis um the race is going to be held on saturday march 28th at 8 p.m and it will be capped to 35 entries now it looks here like this is just going to be the first of you know possibly more events to help raise money for that community so anybody that's interested check it out you can uh find uh their websites hre.us.com information and links are there and they're the reigning champion of the uh truck series so that team so yeah help them out Uh, pretty cool to always you know help out with charity and that kind of thing okay chris uh what do you this was an interesting thing to find what do you do when your main monitor goes out in the middle of the race well, if you're Brian Blackford, you just use the laptop that's sitting on a coffee tray table to your left and as probably your second monitor, and you just drive like that for the rest of your the race. But yeah, that's exactly what he did. So uh, Ray Alfala uh, tweeted out, everyone posting their iRacing rigs this week. So we throw back to Ryan Black, 33, running a road to pro race like this because a main monitor went out mid-race. And yeah, his wheel is ahead of him, and he's looking to the left. And I'd, I'd be curious to know how long he did this for because he uh, he finished 11th, I guess. It's a so, good points day. You know how you can turn your head to the left or the right with a button in the sim? It's kind of like driving with the button to, you know, your head to the left the whole time. <laughs> Steve Lavender um, tweeted a reply that says, I'm having secondhand neck pain just looking at this. Right. 
Uh, it's got to be hard to do that, uh, to try to go straight, but you're looking this way, but your wheel's in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, that's talent. <laughs> okay, let's go into housekeeping. Uh, really don't have much this week besides uh, check the show notes. We actually have a record amount of links this week because of the NASCAR involvement in iRacing. In fact, I don't even know what to cover and not to cover because the line is so blurred. I mean, we want to be an iRacing podcast, but I don't want to be a NASCAR podcast, but it's literally one and the same at this point. So we'll kind of find a happy medium, guys. Uh, If you want the links, check the show notes in the description of the podcast. Don't forget to shoot us story ideas via email, iRacersLounge at gmail.com. This a link. No, nothing else needs to be sent or said or anything. Keep it simple, and help me out, guys, and send me those links. Okay, let's go into hardware software, David Hall. So the first thing we have is a free gift for anybody interested in the drawings to build your own sim rig. We have a Facebook post, and um, it's a wooden one. This might might look nice uh, for something for Tony to do. Yeah, if you're wanting to build a, a wood rig, uh, he's got the plans for you. And I just I just saw a post, uh, I think, in sim racing in the sim racing group, for somebody actually asking about building your own rig just today. Yeah, so he's got the PDF files, uh, 2D and 3D CAD as well. And so you can hit this guy up on his uh, email is Ernesto Frietas at gmail.com. It's very nice looking. Well, yeah, it is a nice look, and it's very clean, and it is adjustable, which doesn't usually happen with with wood rigs. Yeah, uh, very, and it's uh, got nice lines from the CAD files, I guess, the the curves on the back. It just doesn't look like what you would expect. It just doesn't look boxy like you expect most rocks. It's sleek and rounded and soft look to it, yeah. And probably way lighter than a bunch of four by or 2 by 4 slapped together like we see with most of them. It's a very nice looking rig. If you guys are wanting to build, check that out. Uh, this is on a, a Facebook group called Sim Racing Deals. Tony Groves, an end of an era. Yeah. So if you try to go to the ECCI store, um, you're going to be hit with a message that they're down for maintenance. Um, Extreme Competition Controls is currently in the process of discontinuing operations after 25 years. For a time, there will be limited parts and service available uh, via non-ECCI source. You have to contact serviceparts6000 at gmail.com for information. So that looks like about the only way of contact for those guys for the um, what seems to be a very limited time being. So if you need anything from them, I'd suggest you get on it, get it now. They are done. winding down. So the ECCI is uh, pedals that they were the the one of the first on the market with uh, sim racing pedals back in the day, some eight to 10 years ago. And so that's why you might've heard of them before. Now, I don't think they've sold pedals for quite some time. Um, but anyway, they are doing a little send off. Okay. And then Chris, we got the 2020 edition of the sim racing wheel buyer's guide. Yeah. If you're one of the, the new guys jumping on the sim or if, um, looking to to maybe upgrade this year um, definitely check out uh sim racing paddock's video it's 30 minutes incredibly um they go into a lot of detail on probably about a half dozen wheels you know some of the top ones that we're all going to look at if we're 
um, looking to upgrade and you know starting from the bottom all the way up to the the fifteen hundred dollar ones and and more so um, definitely worth your 30 minutes probably if you're looking to upgrade a, a wheel anywhere in the near future yeah and he also reviews the different types of wheels like belt driven direct drive you know that gear driven that kind of thing and the differences in price and reliability and all those kind of things and all the main wheels that you know of are uh listed here and it's a good thorough review of what's available and how many times do you see on on the various facebook groups what uh wheel should i get uh should i upgrade to this or you know they're they're definitely asking about what the different price range options are and, and this is definitely the video to point everybody to it could just yeah, answer this, just about all those questions. yeah this 30 minutes will save you how, how long did you probably scour the forums and the internet when you were looking to upgrade mike yeah it's crazy trying to find stuff so yeah i bet it took a lot longer than 30 minutes probably oh yeah I wasn't looking to upgrade until I joined y'all and started covering all the hardware. And I was like, Ooh, I want this. I want that. Yeah, that's right. So if you want a new wheel and you're looking uh, to go on the budget side, William Byron Esports is, is a uh, sponsoring basically, or being sponsored by Logitech. And you can enter the code William Byron and get uh, the black G920 or G29 for $250. That's a good price. That's a hundred off. Oh, I think it goes for four hundred, so that's one hundred and fifty off. That's a heck of a deal for a, a new wheel, guys. Two hundred and fifty bucks, and it comes with pedals. And remember, Ty Majeski wins with a is is his a twenty nine? Uh, twenty seven, the old version of the twenty nine. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's keep moving. I found sound dampeners for an eighty twenty rig, and on the forums, uh, Mark Pickford put up some videos. Uh, when somebody was asking about how do we dampen the sound of these motion cockpits and stuff when I'm in a uh, an apartment kind of situation. And there was this very unique uh, video showing a basically a piece of plywood. And then they, uh, they put eight to ten tennis balls on it. And then they put another piece of plywood on top of it. And then they use zip ties to kind of hold the two boards together and squash down on the tennis balls. And the tennis balls provide that noise isolation thing. Very unique uh, idea. This is beautiful. I love Isn't this it? ingenuity. It's great. <laughs> what an I'd, awesome idea. I'd like to apologize in advance for not assigning this topic to Tony. Pretty I cool idea. Later. It seems like it would work too. You, you know what I mean? All right, let's talk uh, quality headsets with microphone. So there's all kinds of options out there, and um, we just have a list of a few different options for you to take a look at here. The first one that we have pulled up is, at, well, actually, the first link is just a, is a post of a guy asking. And then the second link, we have a Tech Radar. Audio tech, it's an Audio Technica headset. Um, and the three options we have up here are all over-the-ear headphones. I don't recommend. I can't stand earbuds myself. I guess some people like those, but um, just for any, any, just about any kind of gaming application, over-the-ear headphones are the way to go. Um, and so we have three options here that you can look at, all in affordable prices. I have not listened to any of them myself. I use just a pair of Sony CD quality headphones myself, but that doesn't have the microphone on it. Check them out, the different options. Yeah, and these are all three options that were recommended in that forum post by various uh, racers. Uh, 
I really like that third one, um, the Arctis Pro. Arctis Pro, $180. I just think it looks like solid. The top of it looks pretty comfortable too. Okay. That can be an issue on headphones is what is whether that's that upper area is too hard or flexible. Okay, let's keep moving. We got a Lego Sim rig. Yeah, this thing is nicer than my rig. <laughs> I mean, it has all the bells and whistles. But uh, this was a a forum post by um, Massimo Berta, if I'm saying his name right. But uh, yeah, he he built a, a rig out of Legos, and it's a tiny one that would fit in your hand. It's not an actual huge rig out made out of Legos, which would have been cool too. Somebody should probably do that. But yeah, he he even labels it with all that's um, a butt kicker <laughs> emergency stop motor, and it is a motion rig by the looks of it as well. The VR is priceless. <laughs> Stuck to his head. That's about what mine feels like when it's on. Like it's bolted to the top of my head. And he's got like all the accessories. He's got a butt kicker, emergency stop, a button box, some pedals. He's got the the uh, shifter and the the handbrake and everything. Yeah, and lateral mounted direct drive to let you know that he, it's on there properly, so it's not going to shake apart. If you take that uh, emergency stop motor and scale it up, that's like the size of a basketball. <laughs> a pancake. You can hit it. All I got to say is somebody better make an actual rig out of Lego and then send me pictures of it so I can talk about it for like an hour. <laughs> the only thing I would wonder about that is the flex. Just how sturdy would it be? Okay, next up we got an email from a listener, Joe Hanson Gates, about his new button box. Yeah, Tony. so <laughs> we had awesome sound dampeners and we had cool Lego rigs and you guys give me this one. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This looks cool. And then I checked the price. And it just happens to be in Canadian dollars. And it's like $7 million freaking dollars for this button box. <laughs> like, come on. This is ridiculous. Um, anyways, now that I got that little rant out of the way, this is an actual really nice-looking button box. Um, uh, Big. After, yeah, I was so trying to hate on the price of this. I forgot. I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> This is OpenSimRacing.com. Oh, yes. So it's this one is shaped very different than most button boxes. It's not just your regular square button box. It's, um, it's kind of rectangular, a little uh, wider at the top, and it tapers down. Um, Center console kind of look. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you got lots of options, lots of buttons, uh, lots of rotary dials. Um, looks like you got a nice little emergency stop button. Um, uh but Joe said, yeah, it, it is expensive, and it is expensive. It shows me like $629 Canadian, um, which is absolutely silly for any button box in my mind. But um, he says this is actually like, it's really good for him because um, he runs VR, and he's able to – It's um, he's able to, easy to memorize where all the buttons are and to be able to hit the correct ones where he needs to. It's got less than half a dozen labels on it. It's lame. It's got the Porsche logo, and that matches his wheel, which is also Porsche. Well, it's it's just leaving space for the for the Tony label. <laughs> but now this uh, the the front and I believe the back is made from actual carbon fiber, so that you know that is going to up the price of these things. But you know it is it is very nice, and I'm sure it works extremely well. The price is absolutely. Hey, you have a high end rig. You want a high end button box, right? Yeah, it's about four fifty U.S. So. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I just I can't wrap my head around the price. Let's, we better move on. I'm not going to shut up about it. Okay. Well, thanks, Joe, for sending that in and sharing. Uh, next up, the uh, ProSimU 5MP with the P1X cockpit mounted. Uh, didn't we cover this one last week? I think we might have. I think I we did. recognize it. Oh, you don't? Okay. No. Yeah, so this is Sim Racing Garage, uh, Barry's video. Uh, and basically, he's got his uh, Sim Labs P1X. And he on, in this video, he's got the ProSimU motion D-Box style motion that he bolted onto the P1X. It also has uh, a traction loss thing below. So this is a pretty high-end uh, deal. I did kind of fast-forward through the video. Uh, again, you know, Barry does an excellent job of breaking down what this product does. Uh, the Pro Sim U. Yeah, it's got it's got the P1X just stacked right on top of it. Uh, and we haven't covered this video because it was just released on the 21st, which was after okay. our last show. Yeah, and uh, he's been doing a lot of these with the motion, so I get him confused. But uh, this Pro Sim U. Uh, dot com is their website. Uh, boy, check out their website, and they got a Formula One cockpit on their motion rig, right on the front page. And boy, that thing is beautiful. But I like, I love the idea of, hey, I'm going to buy a Sim Labs chassis, and then next year I'll buy some motion cockpit to bolt to it. You know, and you can kind of space the stuff out. Yeah. So the big question for for someone like me with my P1X is do I do I get that or do I get that GC in the seatbelt? Or both. I don't see a price, so you know what that means. Actually, I found the price. 7,241 euros. You shouldn't have found the price. <laughs> that GC would be cheaper. It would. Three grand. Okay, let's keep moving. We got a five-screen setup. I'm cool with my two. Actually, I'm happy. Yeah, five screens. This is crazy. Uh, it goes all the way out past your peripheral vision. It's an Instagram post. Don't have a price. Nope, but it's been floating around social media uh, this week, this five-screen simulator, and boy, it is pretty. He's using curved monitors. It's got a pretty unique 80-20 five-screen mount there, uh, but it looks solid. It almost looks like you're living inside a VR headset. Like it wraps so far around, like it, that would be as close as you could get to VR without putting a headset on. I would think. Very cool. So that's uh, yeah, Instagram Sim Race underscore blog. Check that out. And now, how about a Cus Pack? <laughs> yeah. There's, so there's a new um, Jimmy Johnson Spotter Pack out. I know there's a lot of people that use that one. So go to dwarehouse.com and update it if you haven't already. And yeah, the very first comment was by Sean Sadler that says, still available in a cuss pack. And D Warehouse says, of course, if I couldn't make a cuss pack, I wouldn't make a pack at all. So is this with his new spotter is, instead of uh, Chad? No, I don't think, I think so. It'll always be Chad. <laughs> but uh, one question our, somebody in our group asked was, I wonder if Jimmy Johnson is using the Jimmy Johnson cuss pack. Oh, that's a good question. He's got, he should be. All right, that's hardware software. Let's talk results in IS, NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up Homestead. Friday open, Bobby Jonas ran a P32. Tight as hell, fell all the way to dead last. Lap 40 blew a tire, first time ever for blowing a tire. It gave him a black flag. 
Never a caution, could never recover from it. Nick Williams, P20. David Hall, P19. Yeah, caught up in stuff. Um, most of the time at these tracks, it just comes down to whether or not I get caught up in the crash. Yeah, same with me. I ended up P13. Kept getting caught up in other people's wrecks. I don't seem to have any luck. And at one point, uh, put it under a, I pitted under a green flag, and the caution came out immediately while I was on pit road. But I somehow managed to rally back to a P13. I'll take it. Saturday fixed, I ran. P22. Guess what? I got wrecked early again. This time, some guy sideswiped me. There was nothing I could do. I was in my lane, and it was just slow after that, you know, and just kind of soldier at home. And so Sunday open, uh, David, P31. Same thing. Caught up in stuff. (laughs) A tough homestead week for you. Well, I got a P3, so. That's true. Uh, Tony Rochette, P4. Final green-white checker. He started 12th, made it up to 4th on that green-white checker from 12th to 4th. In fact, I actually jumped in his race to watch that, and I was spotting him. And I don't I don't want to take credit for that, but Tony did give me some credit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I ran. I got a P9. Uh, I finally had some luck going my way. Uh, always was fading on the older tires, though. I did run as high as third place, but, man, I'm so happy to get a top 10, uh, especially you know, after going throughout the week with all these wrecks and everything, and I'd never run on Sunday morning, and I had to set an alarm and get up early, and man, to get out of there with a P9, man, I'm happy with that. Then uh, Mark Antonucci, uh, Antonucci, he got a P5, and a great result for him. And then Tony, DNF. Yeah, I think that's the first one this year. Um, I knew it was going to happen. It's just kind of a matter of time. It just sucks because I've been running quite well. Um, I was even running quite well in this race too, and I just got flat out run. Um, but by that point in the race, my, my car was severely down on power, and it would have it would have just blown up on me in a couple of laps, so I just shut her down. I think I might have went and drank a beer. There you go. Homestead was uh, Homestead. Let's move on to Texas. Uh, Wednesday Open, uh, David Hall, P17. Yeah, we're out to lunch. We were been out to lunch on this set all week. Um, just couldn't get any long run out of it, no matter how much I loosened it up. Uh, so that's where I f- P17 was lucky as far as how slow I was. Yep, and I ended up P18. I actually hit the wall and became the first caution. Uh, coming out of uh, four, just slammed into it, took out somebody behind me. I was embarrassed, to tell you the truth. Um, I just felt ashamed that I can't freaking keep it out of the wall and I'm the first freaking caution. So, but it was slow after that. I soldiered on to finish, uh, uh, Tony Rochette, also P18. He was running okay. The leader was super fast, got lapped, and then started having latency issues due to his stream. Had to pit due to beat, uh, had to pit due to being in VR, went down three laps, never made it back, only two cautions the whole race. Chris Scales wrecked out. Yeah, and uh, just kind of like David said, the set was super tight, and I was coming off the corner, and I, it was kind of one of those where I, I was like, I think I'm going to make it, I think I'm going to make it, and I, I didn't at all. I wasn't even close. I buried it a foot into the wall, and um, luckily just wrecked myself, didn't cause a caution, but yeah, that sucked. It's easy to put it in the wall at Texas, I tell you what. All right, Thursday open, which I didn't get to run because of my new work schedule. 
Uh, David, you ran uh, trying to get something out of this set. What'd you find? Um, actually, I had a. I think I had a different set, or did some completely different tweaks to it. Still, it was. Uh, it just wouldn't last more than 10, 15 laps. Um, didn't have any pace. Was all the way near the back. Then had some cautions fall my way and was all the way back up to tenth. Made an adjustment with the ride heights that seemed to help, and then. Mm, a front runner spun his tires on a late restart, and I couldn't avoid it and fell back to 17th. Okay, and Chris, your bad luck continues. Uh, yeah, I ran this afternoon and went out trying to just have a, a kind of a finish at this point after the other night, and two laps into the race, a guy tries to make it three wide and takes out a couple of us, and I think he actually kept on going to wreck somebody later. But yeah, it's been it's been a rough week. I'm just bleeding eye rating. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to Road to Pro, Tony Rochette said, No business being out there. I made it 15 laps when I wrecked by myself. Uh, I ran. I also wrecked out. Uh, I think, and that's all we recorded. I think everybody who ran the race actually got wrecked out. So uh, I think maybe Phil Geary finished, but it wasn't a good result. And I did pick up a win at Sebring in the Le Mans series. All right, you got that. Okay, well, let's uh, jump into final thoughts. Chris Scales. Um, well, like I said, I've had, I definitely lost my rating this week. I saw a rookie in one of my races, so I'm hoping that those bottom split tentacles don't get a hold of me. Um, but there was some newer guys in the in a couple of my races that kind of didn't know what they were doing, and some guys were kind of jerks to them. So just remember, there's a lot of new guys on the sim. One of the biggest um, pluses to I race in Hawaii. It's been around so long is how good the community is. So don't be a dick and help those guys out. That's right. Don't be a dick. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. David Hall, final thoughts. Uh, it's pretty amazing seeing all the stuff going on with the, with the real guys racing. I would like to ask them to all come run NIS with us. Uh, it's really neat getting to watch them. I race, but it's, it's more fun when I get to see Dale or TJ or AJ Allmendinger on the track and run with them. And, uh, so I'd love to see them all come out and run NIS with us as well. Hey, I mean, NIS is competitive, and uh, I'd love to see them in there. Yeah, bring it on. Okay, Tony Groves, final thoughts. Well, I uh, I didn't record this in the results, but uh, after a long, and I mean long, uh, dry spell, I finally got a win. It wasn't NIS. It was a K&N series, but you know what? A win's a win, and I'm going to take it. Boy, did that ever feel good. Um, on another note, uh, we are going to be recording the third episode of the iRacers Lounge Aftermath tomorrow. So uh, check us out. We're on every major platform that uh, you find our iRacers Lounge uh, main show on. Uh, check us out and uh, subscribe to it. Follow us. Listen to it. Enjoy it. That's right. One more podcast. Check them out. All right, uh, my final thoughts. Thank you to Chris Overland uh, uh, from Wood Brothers Racing. Uh, stopping by to get to know him a little bit. We've been trying to get him on the show for a while. He is uh, quite a personality, uh, one of the fun ones there in the Coke series, so we're uh, happy to get to know him. And, uh, wow, what a week. It's been I, – I, I want to keep wanting to use the word surreal because I don't think you could ever f- pick a scenario – that this coronavirus could help iRacing this much, but it really has. I, I mean, there's no scenario in the world that I could think of that could bring all the NASCAR Cup drivers 
on to iRacing every week to run the NASCAR races. I mean, if you think about it, it's a perfect storm, and uh, the biggest benefit benefactor is definitely iRacing. And we've seen that in the numbers of the new subscribers, the Fox Sports, you know, Nielsen ratings and everything. And so it's just surreal. So, so happy to be a part of it. Uh, so happy that we're able to cover it here on this podcast and hopefully bring you guys all the detailed information about what's going on. So happy to help. And uh, with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.